you would join me in taking up your Bibles, let's turn to our ongoing study in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, near the end of your Bibles, be looking the first portion of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses we're working on will be verses 5 and 6, but I'll start in verse 1 to give us the context. Would you follow along as I begin reading in Hebrews chapter 11, now beginning in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Shall we bow our heads in prayer this morning? Our Lord and our God, master of all men, leader of all, it is in you we put our faith and it is to you we learn what faith is. Lord, teach us this morning your definition of faith. Give us, Lord, the ability to put our feet on the path to follow the walk that Enoch once walked with you, that we might have that blessed harmony with you through faith, and that your testimony of our faith would be all that matters to us, whether good or ill. Let us be followers of your Son, Christ Jesus, in faith and lead us in the way everlasting by teaching us these words which you have given. And we ask your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We began studying faith that pleases God a number of weeks ago. We have studied Abel's example of sacrificial faith and now we turn to Enoch. These two who came before the flood still give us the one true direction that it remains the same today, post-flood, and always will be the same, that man is saved by faith. By grace, through faith, in God alone. we are learning that faith has always been the victory. And we're looking at a man who is presented to us as 
one of only two in all of Old Testament history that was said by God to have walked with him. Enoch was a special person. He walked with God. And because of his faith, Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was translated so that he did not see or did not experience death and was not found because God had translated him. But before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. There's a lot of attention that is desired by a lot of people. People like to be pleased by what others do toward them. As a matter of fact, we pass judgment and give our pleasure or displeasure in our turn. We won't mention that too heavily this morning. We just acknowledge that that is indeed a reality. But the only one that really matters, whether he is pleased or not, is the one who is the ultimate judge of all mankind, God. God himself decides whether he is pleased with us or not. And the book of Hebrews has been leading us to make this conclusion and the conclusion is, is that we are not good enough to please God by all that we might attempt to do in the works of religion, even in the works of righteousness, unless this one element be part of that mix. And that one element is faith. Of course, that leads us to the other problem. Well, if that's the one thing I need, what in the world is it? What is faith? Is faith something I just have to gin up every morning when I wake? I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Is that what we do? Is it the chant of the donkey? I believe. Or is it more than that? Is it deeper than that? Is it higher than that? Is it wider than that? I think it is because God's going to take an entire chapter to teach us what faith is in all of its various aspects. And we've only started once with sacrifice toward God and now with a walk. Faith walks with God. As I told you last week, of all the characters in the Old Testament, this Man Enoch intrigues me at the highest level. It is a perpetual fascination. It is also something that we need to, and I would like to turn into something of emulation, to walk as he walked. What is such a walk that God translates you and you are no more? For we're also going to keep our fingers again in Genesis chapter 5. And if you want to skip back in your Bibles to that point, we're going to read about Enoch again in his Old Testament history that runs for these few verses. Genesis 5.21, listen. Enoch lived 65 years and begot 
Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch, here it is, walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God translated him. God took him, depending on your translation. That's fascinating. That's wondrous. That's amazing. He skipped death. Our text in Hebrew says Enoch was translated so that he did not see death. He did not experience death. I don't know about you, but if there's one event in all of my life that I know that is coming that I want to avoid, it's singular. Right? Death. How do I avoid death? Enoch did I think it's worthy of study. So last week, we started on this venture of finding out what the walk of faith is that walks with God. And we saw from these two texts, the one in Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 5 combined, that Enoch goes about showing us the four essential steps to having a walk that pleases God, and by the way, that doesn't see death. I believe so that we can follow his example and learn to walk in just such a way. If it was possible once, could it not be possible twice, three times, a multitude? I wonder. Let's look again, and by way of review, I take you to a, this walk, and the first step of the walk that we studied last week, and trying to take very little time, let me review. Number one, the first step of the walk is a walk with God has a beginning point. There's some point in every person's life where they decide they're going to take a step to follow God. That is the first step of faith. It takes place at a time. Let me just settle anything. If you think you were born always knowing and always believing in God, I'm just going to say this. No, you weren't. No, you didn't. You have to come to that knowledge. God leads you to that realization and gives you even the faith to believe in him, as we've already studied, to trust in him. And in our age, in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. This happens at a point in time. And for Enoch, it happened after he had lived 65 years. Enoch lived, Genesis 5, 21, 65 years and begot Methuselah, who many of you know as the one who has the greatest number of years of all who ever lived. And verse 22 says, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Before he didn't, after he did. The simple reality that to please God, you must put your faith in him. Listen, verse 6 again, Hebrews 11. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Notice he did not say without 
works, it's impossible to please him. Though it is so easy for us in this world to get caught up on earning God's pleasure by trying to work our way there and be good enough for God. Guess what? You're not good enough for God. If you did everything from this point in your life onward perfectly for God, you would still not be good enough for God because you need faith. Faith is the one element God's looking for. When you stand before God and he says, after you die, who are you? Why should I let you be in heaven with me? What have you done to please me? And if you start with your Christian list, I listened to my godly grandmother. I went to Sunday school. I went to church. I was nice to my little brother once. I remember it. I did some good things. I did more good things than bad things. God will look on you and say, I am not pleased. But if you answer the one singular and most important answer, I put my faith in you, in God. That pleases God. And it has a beginning point in your life market. And believing is believing who God is. Notice verse 6 in Hebrews chapter 11. This beginning point is a beginning of believing in God's self-declaration. Hebrews 11 verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, i.e. God, for he who comes to God, here it is, must believe what? That he is. That's the most strong, powerful being verb you'll ever come across. That God is. He has self-existence. He has being. He is in his being God. You cannot come to God in faith unless you believe that he is the God. He says he is, and he is the one true God, and there is no other. You can't believe in God and some other gods. That's not believing in God. That's spreading your bet and hoping for the best. There's one bet that pays off, and that's in putting all your faith in the living God. He lives and he is. Almost getting bogged down in last week's sermon, I move on to the second step. Number two, the second step in the walk that pleases God, like Enoch, is a walk that, with God that develops over time. It takes time to walk with God. First, you need the first step, and then you need to walk with God for time. A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, but if you want to get to your destination you got to keep on walking. And the way in which we walk is to walk with God over years. We hear from Genesis 5.22 that Enoch walked with God 300 years. 
Now, that's where I get a little worried about whether I'm going to have a kind of walk that pleases God because Enoch got to practice for 300 years and I'm already running out of time. And so are you. So it's good to start now and learn from Enoch. And perhaps we can catch up. The practice that begins even as Deuteronomy told Israel before they went into the land to teach their children. These words which I command you, Deuteronomy 6, 6. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, not to blind you, but to guide you. That means it's always before you. Write them, speak them, live them. That is the walk that walks with God over time. The third step we looked at last week as well, a walk with God involves all aspects of life. Sometimes when we as Americans think of Enoch walking with God, we, we might think that he leaves everything and all of his family and his friends and his job, and he goes and has a walk with God once a day. You know, where's Enoch? Oh, he's out walking with God. He'll be back in a minute. He'll be back in a while. He does this all the time. And then somebody might say, well, you know, there's work to be done. Where's Enoch? Well, you know, Enoch, he's out walking with God. And sometimes we say in our, in our vernacular that they're so heavenly minded that they're of no what? Earthly good. That's not walking with God. If you are no earthly good, you are not walking with God and pleasing him by faith. When you're walking with God, the third step is to walk with God and it involves all aspects of life. Everything in life is a walk. That's how Hebrews think. Hebrews don't think of walking with God as a, a compartment of your life where you just do it for part of the day and then quit for the rest of the day. However, too many Americans and in our world think that way, and maybe some of you still do. To compartmentalize God. This is where I'm a Christian. This is where I have my quiet time. This is really spiritual. But now I've got to go to work, and this stupid machine won't work. These lousy employees won't listen to me. Something tells me something happened from the prayer closet to the workroom. And it's not walking with God, amen? I mean, you all know what I'm talking. To really walk with God is to commit your works unto the Lord that your thoughts will be established. You will think God thoughts while you work. You will not curse while you work. You will not be evil to those who work for you or whom you work for while you work. You're going to commit that to the Lord to be a glory unto him. Now faith has suddenly gotten to be a walk that sounds like we're going uphill. The walk of faith is not an easy walk because you fight your flesh the whole way. But as you practice it, as Enoch did for 300 years, it's got to 
find itself to all of your life. And how do I get this all of life? I got it when I saw the last portion of Genesis 5, verse 22, that says that Enoch says this, and it's a conjunction. What do conjunctions do? Put things together. So with our previous phrase, now we have, and he walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. Let me ask you parents something. Is parenting easy? Where are the amens? Where's the amen? Amen. Amen. Our children a joy. He almost did. Our children a joy. If they're not a joy, you're not walking with God. Though they're a lot of work. But work can be a joy when you do it for the Lord. Amen. So Enoch had sons and daughters. That's all it tells us. We don't know his occupation. That tells me this is an important feature of walking with God. The old monastics used to think they were being more spiritual, denying themselves marriage, denying themselves children, excluding themselves from the world, crawling into their little holes or getting into their little conclaves and pretending that they're having faith and walking with God when Enoch gave them example that the one who walked with God so closely that he did not see death and then was not anymore had sons and daughters. And that must have been part of pleasing God, who in the beginning said, fill the earth and multiply. You who are made in my image, take the privilege I've given you and put my image, the image of God, on earth. And then fathers, raise up your children in the way that they should go. Fathers, raise them. Mothers help fathers raise children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Did you know that? Fathers, you don't capitulate to your wife and say, raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that's my part. I give you the order. I'm the head, says so in the Bible. So wife, the job's yours. I know that's happened. I know that might be happening I'm here to say, wrong answer. That's not a faith that walks with God in everything. Every responsibility God has given you, you say to him, men, thank you, God. And then women, you say, thank you, God. He's given me a head of the house. I will defer to him. I will ask him, and I will see how I can help him raise our children every day in this walk before God. It covers all aspects of life. Now I move to letter B under Roman numeral 3, and we start our new message for this morning. You thought I was preaching. I wasn't even preaching yet. That's introduction. That's review. I'm just priming the pump. Now we go to walking with God as an eternal destination. Walking with God encompasses all of life, but also... It has eternal 
destination. And this gets back to the Hebrew idea of the pattern of life that is articulated by the saying, to walk with. The Hebrew would think to walk with is the way in which I am on a regular basis. For you computer-minded, the default setting of your life that spews forth the same things of walking with God is this pattern that has an eternal destination. And by the way, everybody's walking. As soon as you are born, you're walking. When you're born, you start walking as a sinner, you sin. And so you walk away from God, just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They walked away from God. They got the knowledge of the, the tree of, of good and evil. And what did they do? Evil. They walked away from God and hid from him. God walked after them and caught them. And started the program of redeeming them to bring them back to himself, which pattern we are now involved in in Jesus Christ, his son. He's bringing us back to walk with him. So everybody's walking away. That's the way we all start. But at a moment in time, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and start following him. And now, what is the pattern of that life? And where is it leading? The way of evil leads to hell and destruction, the wrath of God. The way of the walk of Enoch, the walk of faith, leads to reward. It leads to God. It leads to skipping over death pretty easy. So it has an eternal destination. And I wanted to remind you of that by using the wisdom of the scriptures that Solomon gave us in Proverbs. The ways of life. And I'm going to start with the evil way of life. I'm going to start with a walk, a pattern of life that ends in death. And that's death eternal. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6, I'll pick up the reading there. As the wise man observes a young man with a foolish walk and a woman with a decadent foolish walk. Verse 6, for the window, at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, uh, simple in this case does not mean simplistic, but simple in that he is foolish, he's not weighing all of the things he should as his pattern of life. His pattern of life is that he is, if you will, being very, 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 well, let me just say it, stupid. Maybe you understand that term. I saw among the, the, the simple, I perceived among the youths. So young people, this is particularly for you, but don't let yourself out the door here. Yet older people, it's for us as well. A young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took, here it is, the path to her house. He took the walk, the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, listen, in the black and dark of night. You know, there was one wise old grandmother that said this. She said, there's nothing good that happens outside the house after 10 p.m. at night. 
Amen? Because that's when sin hides. As a pattern. So he goes at night. Hiding, if you will. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. What is her way? What is her pattern? Her dress and her pattern is a crafty heart. And this as well. And she was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. The way that she walked as a pattern of life was not to be home, but to be prowling about. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him. Sounds like somebody was laying a trap. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, By the way, fathers, this is for free and off the clock. Take your sons to this passage of Scripture and teach them. Now they prowl on the Internet. Now they prowl through their phones. Fathers, take your daughters here and ask them if they want to be this kind of woman. For they're out to catch them as well. How rare it is that a man is brave enough to confront a son or a daughter with this reality to save them from a path of life that leads this direction. Skipping down to Proverbs 7.21. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her. You want to talk about a pattern of life? Immediately. What do we call this kind of person? Impulsive. Not thoughtful, not wise. He didn't weigh it. He didn't measure it. Immediately he went after her. Listen, as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow stuck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Now therefore listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray onto her, here it is, her paths her way of life. For she has cast down many wounded and all who were slain by her were strong men. You think you be strong, oh young man? You are not. Protect yourself. You are vulnerable. And all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house, listen, her house, pay attention, is the way to hell. Descending to the chambers of death. You are walking a walk and it's leading somewhere. You can go to hell and death or you can look to Enoch. Who raised sons and daughters after the Lord for 300 years. It's a long time parenting is all I'm going to say. 
Walking leads to a destination, an eternal destination. Proverbs again reminds us in chapter 15, verse 24. The way of life, if you will, the path of life. The Hebrew, the derek, the direction of life, winds upward for the wise. That he may turn away from hell below. You don't want hell. Walk with God. Even as a child, you say, well, I'm too little. I'm too young. Well, listen to what the proverb says in its wisdom. Even a child, Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his deeds. Amen? We all know this. We must teach this. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right, whether his pattern is a good pattern. I'm not saying good all the time. I'm saying what's the pattern? You know, even dealing with Christian brothers and sisters, we deal with patterns, not singular infractions. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to have troubles. But when you need to weigh in in somebody's life, it's on a pattern of walking after destruction. So you can help them stay on the path of life. Now to the fourth step, the fourth and final step. We call this the ultimate step, if you want, the launching pad to the presence of God. The walk of God, the walk with God, excuse me, never ends. You know, all walks never end. If you walk toward death, you're going to be in death your whole life. And you're going to be in death after death in a living hell. Or you can walk with God and be with God forever. It never ends. We go back to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24, reminding ourselves of the end of this walk that actually was a beginning of another walk for Enoch. Verse 24, Genesis 5, this declares God. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God translated him. God took him. So a walk with God never ends. Letter A now in your notes. It continues into a new vocation. Into a new vocation. Now what is a vocation? You know there's an occupation. That's what you do. And then there's a vocation. That's something you are called to do. You can choose your occupation, but a vocation you have to be called into from the outside. This even vocation, this word comes from the Latin root vox, meaning to speak, meaning something's vocal. It is a calling. And I want you to listen again with this in your head and, and ask yourself if translated isn't a pretty good word to use in this wise as we understand what happened to Enoch. Because I've noticed most of the new translations aren't using translated anymore. I'm not saying they're wrong. I just say, I like translated better. 
And here's why. Hebrews 11.5. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God had translated him. The verbal element, translated. What is the full nuance of this Greek word? Metatethemi is the Greek word. It's kind of fun to say. Some Greek words are kind of hard. This one's kind of fun. Metatethemi. This Greek word has a spectrum of nuance in meaning. As all words do, and the context has to drive us into the understanding of which one we should choose. You see, this, this word has been used before by the writer of Hebrews. And as I've said before, the writer of Hebrews is of Greek education. For he is writing one of the best rhetorical pronouncements, dissertations, if you will, that has ever been penned by man in the Greek style. He is a rhetorician and he knows how to double back on his themes and pick them up and he does so ever so deftly and he's used this word before. Metatithemi we find in Hebrews 7 verse 12. In Hebrews 7 verse 12 we find it. Where God is speaking and he's speaking here of a change that has taken place. So in 7.12, there's a nuance to this word that means to change from one thing to another in a different way. In chapter 7, it speaks of the priesthood of Jesus Christ that is now different than all the priests who serve Israel before who were all Levites of the tribe of Levi. Yet this priest is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, that priest being Jesus the Christ, who is not of the tribe of Levi. What tribe is Jesus from? Somebody help me. He's from the tribe of Judah. That's who he's from. So we go and we read now verse 11 of chapter 7 Hebrews. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest, that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek, and not be called to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, here it is, for the priesthood being changed, metatithemi, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change, metatithemi, of the law. Priests who are Levites, a change to one singular great high priest, the order of Melchizedek, Christ Jesus. The law that followed along with the Levitical priesthood changed to the new covenant way with a new high priest, Jesus, metatithemi. Different. 
translation. Change is so simplistic in English, right? Change. I don't know, change my clothes. Did you change your calendar? Change? You got some spare change? See, context can drive it. Here, we have change as one aspect from this writer to a treat completely different kind, and we have Enoch translated, changed, from one life to another life. This word can also mean to move or travel from one place to another. In Acts chapter 18, we find it used this way, verse 7, and he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice. I'm just going to stop there because all I want you to get is a change of location. So now we have the idea of a complete change from one system to another system, a change of location, a movement, And then we have translated. Translated. But even when we talk about moving, you know, have you ever thought about moving to another country where they don't speak English? Okay, well, imagine it now. I had too many people shaking, no, I don't want to go anywhere else. So in pulling you back in, I'll say, just imagine you're going to go live in France. If you're going to change and live in France, not just for a little while, but permanently, you're going to become a citizen, a French citizen. If you're going to live in France, you must do one very important thing. Learn the language that they speak there, not here. You might even want to start early, kids, and perhaps take a class in high school where you'll learn things like, Louise, où est ton stylo? Voici mon stylo, madame. Louis, où est ton cahier? Voici my cahier, madame. What did pastor say? Louise, where's your pencil? Here's my pencil, madam. Louis, where's your notebook? Here's my notebook, madam. See how you didn't understand? Translation, like the Bible. The Bible that we have has been translated from Hebrew and some Aramaic in the Old Testament, and Greek in the New Testament. If you want to read the Bible, and you speak English, the Bible must be translated for you. It must be taken out of the Hebrew. It must be taken out of the Greek. It needs to be transported into the English, and you can then now understand it. The reason I like translation is because it is a calling. I don't think just God took him is good enough because I think God called him. He walked with God. 
which means he talked with God and he walks with me and he talks with me. That is the walk. And even the walk that every Christian is on right now, Ephesians 4, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you have a walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. Out of one life, in a sense, translated from your life of sin and death going astray into the new life of following Jesus Christ. Amen? Translation. You even talk different, don't you? If you don't, I have a separate sermon later, but not now. Translation. Enoch spoke a language on earth. By the way, he's pre-Tower of Babel. He walked in a way on earth with God that I believe included a physical sort of language of that existence that we all know. We live a physical, tangible, earthbound relationship with God at the present time, and that's what we know. But what we are walking toward is what God did to Enoch. God translated Enoch's physical language of this existence into an eternal spiritual language of life after death that walks with God across a line. A line that was once impenetrable. You don't get past that death. God ushered him across. God erased the line between this life and the next life such that Enoch, while he walked with God, you don't envision him walking down the street. I envision him living his life. He might have been instructing one of his children or he might have been teaching them the truths as they walked by the way and then he was not. For God translated him into another life in another place with another vocabulary. Another kind of existence. And this is exactly what we learn from life in Jesus Christ. That in Christ's death, there is a de in Christ's death and resurrection, there is a defeat of this life that leads to death. And it becomes then a conduit, a translation of sorts to usher us into the world of the living God. I mean, do you want an easy death? I mean, people think about things like this. I know we don't talk about it all the time, but sometimes people say, well, you know, if I'm going to die, this is what I'd like, right? People say stuff like this. Old man that I had in my very first church he used to say, well, I've got three choices on how I want to go out. I'm going to tell you the last two. The second one was out elk hunting. We out elk hunting, have a massive heart attack, boom. The third one was in a nuclear blast. By the way, he worked at Ineal, which was where in Idaho they test nuclear weapons and nuclear devices. He was a nuclear engineer. He knew that's a pretty fast poof. Let me hold on the, to the first one. 
Do you want an easy death? See, sometimes we only think of the physical part. What about the crossing over? That's really what we're afraid of, if we're honest. What is it, and how do I cross over? Paul, 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. This is for you. Now this I say, brethren, so if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is to you. Paul says, for this I say, brethren, you who are walking after God, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So this can't be the kingdom of God, by the way. Those who are of a reformed persuasion. Because flesh and blood can't inherit it. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. What? Sleep there is a word for death. Christian, what are you waiting for? What are you walking toward? Where's your destination? What is the life you want that never ends? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. May I say translated. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which was written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? O victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me. He called me. He will translate you in the same way, or you might get the first choice of old Jim Miller. Rapturo. His first choice of going out of this life was similar to Enoch's. We say, I want to be like Enoch. I want to go the easy way. This is it. Buckle up. The rapture of the church is built upon this fact that what God did once to Enoch, he will do again on a massive scale. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, the Apostle Paul declares these truths from God. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with what? A shout, vox. With a shout, verbal. With a voice of an archangel, verbal. With a trumpet of God, audible. Translation's my favorite. 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Where is Enoch? I ask you. He was not. For God translated him. Where will the church be? They will not. Because God will translate it somehow. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Enoch is not an impossibility that you will never achieve to be looked at with mourning and crying and desperation saying, without 300 years, how could I possibly do it? This is the New Testament, New Covenant goal given to us by our high priest, Melchizedek, Jesus the Christ, and his New Covenant. Only a man who walks with God can step from the temporal world into the eternal world with ease. Enoch walked with God right out of this life. Christians in our age will be walking with God and caught out of this life. There's no death involved in that. Everyone who came before Enoch, the Bible tells us, died. But Enoch was no more. Faith that pleases God walks with God into eternity beyond do you believe it do you believe it do you believe it say amen, amen. well alright then what we're going to do here in a few moments is to declare again we believe it the Lord's table is an exercise of our faith we're going to take it together this morning. And all who take it must have first taken that first step of faith and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, as you walk with him in regularity, we proclaim that he's coming for us again. He died once. He rose again once. He ascended into heaven once. He will descend again. Once. And we'll be with him. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, blessed be thy name in all the earth. What wonders await those who walk with you what is it right now, O Lord God, that the eyes of Enoch sees? What words are they that he hears and understands? The words of Jesus, the Son of God, very God. 
What is the way there, Lord? We want to know. But until that time, Lord, help us walk this walk that you've given us. Help us walk it daily. Help us walk it as we do everything that we do. Help us keep walking until the very end that is also our new beginning. We ask in Jesus' name, and everybody say it, amen.